you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey, Caden. Don't know if you can hear me. But since you can't tell me to get the hell out either, I'm going to take my chances. Get your ass out of this bed and back to your post, Major. Seeing you in action again, it reminded me you're a hell of a soldier. The Alliance could sure use you. I could use you. You need anything, Doc. Let me know. Come on, Caden. Fight. And that's an order. Hello and welcome to Squad Goals, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast, where we're discussing our experiences playing through the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. My name is Nick Zelenkevich, and I'm joined by Chip Locke. Howdy, Space Cowboys. And Corey Kurabara Treadway. Greetings from space. And this is episode number 45. And today, well, when we last left off, we were fleeing Mars, and the... Caden or Ashley, the major. I've realized when I was doing the show notes for the last episode that they're just the major now. Because I, I don't know who's alive. I don't know who's dead. I'm just calling them the major. That's who it is, Caden or Ashley. Until we have to change that title because they get another title. But um, the major. It, a lot of people refer to them as the Vermeyer survivor. Oh, that's true. That's true. I've seen. That never changes. I well, usually refer to them as, as Ashley, but that's except this time. <laughs> <we're scared>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good one. Or Caden. Yeah. The other one, right? I keep forgetting they're actually a major. That I, I keep forgetting that. I don't know why. It's well, I guess it's because it's temporary. But it's it's I don't know. I, I thought it was good shorthand. I was all excited when I was like the major I was trying is to good. write the recap. No, yeah. I, I like the major. So, I just for now. Yeah. For, well, for now, whenever you say the major, I, I think of some old grizzled veteran is just with like a missing part of their eye right now. <laughs> I feel more like that should be Hackett. I feel like Hackett needs an eye patch. Maybe because he's an admiral. You know what? Actually, I feel like someone in the command structure should have missing a body part, but mm. you know, it's the future. We have good technology. We can regrow stuff. But remember, we brought Shepard back from the dead. Yeah, yeah and Shepard did not need an eye patch or anything. Just robot eyes that turn red if you're mean. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we flee, flee Mars. Uh, we do a quick call uh, with Hackett again. Liara tells him about the Crucible. I don't think we call it the Crucible yet, but that's where she tells him about that. And the Major is injured, so we got to get the Major to the Citadel. And uh, let's hear about what happens when we get to the Citadel. Shepard brings the comatose Major to the Citadel, where they are rushed immediately to Huerta Memorial Hospital. Shepard is then greeted by Commander Bailey. Shepard is then free to roam the Citadel. Visiting the Major in the hospital, they are still unconscious, but through surgery. Shepard has the opportunity to offer words of encouragement, even if the Major can't respond. Then, Shepard heads to Counselor Udina's office, where his secretary sends him to the Council meeting, joined in progress. The Council has no interest in offering help to Earth, as they are using the time to prepare their own defenses. Shepard meets with Udina after the meeting, but 
they are interrupted by the Turian counselor, who says that the Turians will help if Shepard can rescue Primarch Fedorian from the Reaper assault on the Turian homeworld of Palavin. Shepard agrees. Upon returning to the Normandy, Shepard dreams of chasing the kid who died on Earth through a burnt-out forest before the kid spontaneously combusts. Shepard wakes up and chats with Liara about their status, and they are interrupted by Specialist Trainer, who was overseeing the Normandy retrofits when they had to flee Earth. She walks Shepard through some of the changes on the ship and comments that she finds Edie's voice attractive. So Diana Allers, let's, I guess let's start there, because there's a bunch of stuff that happens here. Um, did you guys, you have to bring her aboard. Like, you can't not turn her down, right? Or I guess you could, but like. I brought you? her on. I You can I, I technically, but there's not a particularly good reason to do so. Unless you just really dislike the press, I guess. I don't, I mean, she's, she's an interesting character. Um, I feel like they didn't quite ever finish her arc. Uh, and we'll get to her, I'm sure, later. But yeah, I, I definitely took her. Now, she's. No, I mean, I guess based on played by Jessica Chobot, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I believe that's correct. Yep. So, yeah, she always she I think was the first character when I when like they, they brought her on, and I'm like, I'm like, are, are we allowed to romance like the not like people outside the team now? Is that a thing now that we can do? Mm, <laughs> kind of. Not that I necessarily wanted to romance her, but she it, it it just felt like oh no, like there's obviously something there with her. I well. Don't know. There is Good news for you, Nick. You definitely can. <laughs> we'll get to, we'll we'll get to my experiences because there's another character we're going to meet fairly soon um, that that I I I, uh, I I started to take a shine to. But uh, yeah, I realized for some reason I've actually forgotten about this character that we brought her on. I need to probably should go check on her on the see how she's doing on the Normandy. Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> Go say hi. Um, I don't know how much of the her stuff you can do. Yeah, she lives. Um, you bring her on the Normandy. She's down in like Zaid's former stomping grounds, yeah. which they took away the garbage chute, which is kind of a bummer. But hey. yeah, that's where her bed is now. Yeah, which I wonder if they're trying to say something like her bed is where the trash used to be. <laughs> or also the fact that did Zaid have a bed before, just to get rid of his bed? Zaid seems like the type who probably sleeps on the floor because a bed is too comfortable. Yeah, I, he definitely didn't have a bed. I always thought he just sort of like cleared off his weapons bench and would, you know, catch his 40 winks there. Well, or even then, like, I just kind of figured like that's where he was hanging out. Because even though, like, I don't expect that Kasumi slept on the couch in the one lounge. Like, they have the beds in the crew quarters. I, I, I know, like, the, these passengers aren't explicitly crew, but... And uh, that that is, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later when I, when we talk about the Normandy. But I do I do feel like that uh, like yeah, especially in Mass Effect Two, everybody's kind of relegated to their spot. And I I assume that they wandered around the ship beyond when you just interacted with them. Like you know, it's not like Zaid just was planted against that wall for the entire duration of his time on the on the ship. Well, right. For me, I always thought most of those were just that that's the room they decided to actually sleep in or take as their own because. In the extra crew quarters, there's not a lot of beds, and even with rotating your your beds for shifts, uh, don't think there's enough sleeping quarters for everybody. But there might be poor parts of the ship that we just don't see because of game design. That's why when when uh, the Reapers abduct everybody, they're like, you know, we don't have to go get them so first. We can, we can take some time. <laughs> <laughs> we go, we'll have more beds when we're done. So, 
but yeah, so you can pick up Diana Allers as a, uh, you know, as, as a, not a crew member, but she, she takes up a, a spot on the Normandy there. Um, Bailey, Bailey is back. Yay, Bailey. He's the very first person you, you see. Uh, Cause, uh, and so it's great to see him. He's commander Bailey now. Moving up there in the seems, world. There seems to be a theme among the military officers that as they advance in rank and they get more involved in politics, they hate their jobs. I mean, that seems realistic to most jobs. I mean, it seems like how everybody's every day. It's like, ah, I'm going up, making more. Now, paperwork. Great. Mm -hmm. Lots of paperwork. So it's good that Bailey's back. Bailey's running things. And again, he'll be your point point man, your point of contact on the on the Citadel uh, as much as he ever was before. Um, it is nice after how cramped the Citadel felt in Mass Effect Two, where you just had Zakira Ward and the you know like the few floors around that. Mm -hmm. That now you've got access to the Presidium, access to the Citadel, uh, the uh, the Embassy Suites, access to uh, the the docking station, access to the other docking station where the refugees are. Um, and especially the one uh, part of the Presidium where there's the shops, like that is a fairly broad map um, mm -hmm. with a Commons. ton of shops in there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. you can kind of wander around there. But also, um, speaking of like it being like kind of, it still feels very packed and very crowded now, like more than before, because it's just with the Reapers and everything else. There's a lot more people now in the Citadel. There's a lot of people, like not a lot of them you can interact with all the time, but still just. A lot of random, random people you can meet and just see all going with, what the hell's going on? Why are things like this? We're all going to die. Well, I do like, like, right off the bat, when you're in the docking area, there's a couple. It's a Turian and an Asari. And he's clearly being shipped out. And she's, like, worried about that. And they're talking. And it sounds almost like he's trying to break up with her or at least be like, yeah, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. And, and she's all concerned. Like, how are you going to message me? And how am I going to hear from you? And, and yeah, there's a ton of little, like, dialogues that you can eavesdrop on as you go around. Um, that They give you a sense of, you know, the impending, the impending war effort. Because mm -hmm. one of the things, too, is, like, the Citadel, you know, they kind of comment, like, oh, the Citadel isn't really feeling the war effort. Because, the, you know, it's one of those places where, like, for whatever reason, even though in the original Mass Effect, the Citadel was sort of ground zero for like where the Reapers were going to attack from, this time they're like, yeah, we're not worried about the Citadel. We'll have that place on lockdown when we get there. So they're picking off everywhere else, and the Citadel's that place that's kind of removed from the action, and well, they don't feel the the urgency the, the, the same way the other places do, at least not at this point. Yeah, but I think it's also like, by the way the Reapers are approaching everything, if they're coming from the outside... Going in, where normally they come from, they first hit the citadel and go from the middle, go out. Right. So it's a bit, it's a bit changed to their normal uh, attack pattern. So they're just trying to like readapt and feel like, well, since uh, we can't use the citadel, we'll just get that later. No worries. It's their tech anyway. What yeah. do they care? <laughs> mm -hmm. They'll go in, fix up the the keepers. They'll 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 do their work. So we also have, uh, well, we also get to go to the hospital and catch up with. Uh, catch up with the major in my case, Caden. Um, did you uh, did you buy your person get, like for Ashley at least? And I don't remember what it is for Caden, but you can buy Ashley like a bunch of uh, I don't know, like Chaucer books and stuff like that. I think. Um, and was it Chaucer? Flowers. No, it's uh, was uh, it Tennyson. Chaucer Tennyson? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't at first. I actually, I wound up buying it for a later gift, uh, a later visit, because there's. 
something was different, and I can't quite remember because it's been a while since I played as Ashley, but I remember that, like they made a point of saying, like, you should get Ashley a gift. Mm-hmm. And so I went to this the gift shop, and there's like eight different things you can buy. And of course, you have to remember that one specific conversation from Mass Effect 1 where she talks about Tennyson. And at the time I didn't, and I know I bought the wrong thing. And I like, and then like she's like, Oh, this is what you got me. Like, you're 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 you know, you suck. Wow. And then I, I didn't know yeah, she and did then that. I, like, that's I, brutal. Yeah, I had to go look it up. Like, what did I do wrong? And I was like, oh, it's supposed to be the Tennyson. And I couldn't remember why. Like, how am I supposed to know it was the Tennyson? And then, of course, when we're playing Mass Effect 1, and she's like, and I love Tennyson. And you're like, oh, okay. This was supposed to be the little thing I was supposed to pick up on that I was supposed to remember for later. So I remember that, like, that, that you know, having to go through that, play that mini game and get, in, you know, like, get her the Tennyson. For Caden, though, there was nothing. There's just a, you go to the gift shop and there's just this bottle of, uh, is it, well, I think it's wine, some kind of wine that you so, can buy. It's an alcohol. I can't remember which one it is right now, but yeah, I, you know, I apparently bought that, but I have no recollection of actually buying it. Cause I normally just go to the gift shop, like all the shops anyways, before I do anything and just buy everything I can buy. So <laughs> I remember going to Caden and giving him some alcohol. So I'm like, Oh cool. I bought that. When did I do this? Mm. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I bought that. I was going grocery shopping for myself. I picked up a nice wine that I could enjoy myself later, and I wound up giving it to Caden. I mean, <laughs> the, shop you, the shop you buy it from is like, here's here's this stuff, and then also Metagel upgrades, which you're probably yes. going to buy. I buy a lot of those. Frank, yeah. Frankly, I would think Caden or Ashley should appreciate the Metagel upgrades. Right. That's, that's useful for everybody. I wonder if there's um, a Metagel alcohol. <laughs> Maybe Metagel is just like, alcohol in some sort of i guess gelatinous form so i just looked this up um ashley has a whole bunch of gifts you can get and so the tennyson thing is definitely like a you get the best reaction if you get the tennyson book and everything else is not treated well caden it, it is just the one thing yeah that you can get there's him. no yeah there's no minigame with him yeah it's literally That's just buy it or not weird Dude, i wonder why they did I, that i'm not really sure the only yeah. like like one thing i had a kind of little weird things i have caden here i'm used to having ashley is for some reason, I really didn't realize how buff that Caden uh, was. And God, his nipples are huge. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't ask me why I noticed. I'm like, um, okay. Try to pay attention to talking, but this is going to work. How kind of distracting. M- m- motion to call Caden Nips from now on. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Agent Nips. <laughs> Major Nips. <laughs> Major Nips. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this, this was one of those conversations where you, you know, like Shepard's just kind of talking to, actually is Caden or actually even awake at this point. No. I think the gift might actually come a little bit later. It does. Um, so we're getting ahead of ourselves there, but that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, like Shepard gets in there and basically like the, you know, the, the, the character is out unconscious and Shepard just kind of has to do that. I'm going to talk to you, even though I know you're asleep and you know, you, my shepherd was kind of trying to be inspirational. Like get up, damn it. Like, you know, you walk this off. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you can handle this kind of, uh, you know, that kind of cheerleading. Um, so it's. I think my, I think my was more just like, take it easy, get some rest. We'll need you when you're better. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, that was one of the things too, is like, I was all excited, like, especially on my first playthrough, like, yeah, Ashley's back on the team and she's going to be on the Normandy and we're going to have fun. And then it's like, no, no, now they're in the med bay on the Citadel. Um, Severely beat the shit out of. Yes. And I find, I find the hospital interesting, not just cause you know, you have, uh, you know, your, your, your squad mate in there 
as it were. But one, it's named Huerta Memorial for the president of was the United the, the United yeah, States, States of North America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. United North also, American States, maybe something like that. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. But also they have Huerta in big letters on the wall on the windows. So looking in, when you're in the in there looking out the windows, it says Huerta. But if you're outside the hospital mm-hmm. looking in, it's gonna say Huerta backwards. That is weird. The um Which, Yeah, there's a lot of places the Citadel design in this game is a little weird because there's a lot of places where they and it's very useful for a player to see but like if you i was thinking about this the other day i was i was up on the um i uh, was on the embassies level and you can kind of walk down the halls and like you can see you know uh there's one for the uh human counselor for example and it, it's got his name just like printed and then like emblazoned on the wall and it's like nobody would ever do that like it, that's not they put these yeah. big signs on things in places where it's like that would never like that's not congruous with like a real place that people live in or work in. I I haven't noticed this one, but that's extra funny. Oh, I wonder if that's not like the keepers doing that. Like that's how they like just maintain things. Like they have a completely different design sensibility than we as humans would. Maybe possibly one one thing about this hospital is kind of weird to me too. It has no sense of privacy at all. There's very little privacy. I feel like in this hospital, Lot, lot way too much glass. Yeah, they have some well, yes. curtains, but most of it doesn't really cover over things very well. I think. Well, it's also very small, but I'm assuming that maybe there's like another wing or bra- you know another yeah. floor to it or something. Because I mean, they have what two patient rooms, and everybody else is just out in the hallway. Yeah, which and I mean, it does give you the the sense like, oh, there's a war going on, and so there's a ton of injured people just randomly out in the hallway. Um, you know, because you know they're just triaging more yeah, than can. Well, well, those make sense. I'm talking about the actual rooms themselves. Oh, yeah, are, aren't yeah. very well. Are just like glass windows into rooms. Like, why? Like, I'd be it's, like, as a patient, be like, can, can I get some privacy? Just why am I staring at me while I'm getting uh, needled? Not even that the patients need privacy, but like the doctors and nurses in the labs. Right. Where, like, there's nobody's nobody's supposed to be in there. But like, you can see right in, and you can go in. And of course, you're shepherd. You can go wherever you want. Yeah. So you just walk in there to get some stuff uh, when you need to later. Um, oh, I, I now have an image pulled up. Just looking at where I, I realize you're right. Where is spelled correctly for us on the inside, and the outside would look really, really weird. Yeah, and huh. I would assume you would want it to look good for the outside, right? Because more people will see that, unless it's some kind of weird new technology that, like, it looks the same on the outside the other way. <laughs> yeah, like, I wonder also this might be a small, because it's supposed to be apparently a premium medical care facility, but it says it has it's twelve full time doctors. Yeah, fifty support staff. So that still require. I think requires a bigger facility. I think I think it's meant to be a slice of like the bigger the full size facility. They don't do a good job of sort of having you know like a closed door that you can't go through or something that looks like it. It's going to lead you you know to the rest of it. Though it is it is weird in that way because yeah, you're in like kind of a somewhat wide long hallway with windows on either side, like fully you know glass glassed out windows and like. Yeah. Well, I guess if it's a premium facility, maybe this is like where their like top tier patients are, and they only normally have like two or three of them at a time. You don't have yeah, they twelve have the... doctors for two or three patients. That's wild. There's no way. Maybe know, that's maybe it's like really premium. premium. Pre- yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, although how how? Well, I guess. Uh, well, no, because uh, they're still just a major. So I mean, I mean, I don't know. But even then, like, 
and I guess it makes sense that, yeah, like, okay, even in the premium level, you'd start to have like, you know, refugees and, and injured war heroes winding up there yeah. as part of the effort. Like, like kind of like, no, you know, they're, they're throwing them everywhere. Nowhere is, uh, you know, like sacrosanct in that regard. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It feels like it should be bigger. I agree. A little bit. Because also, too, it's like anytime you need to go there, it's like you're always in the same room. <laughs> like, oh, do we have somebody in the in the med bay? They're in that one room. Let's go visit them. There is one time you go there and, and you will see somebody in a different room. Oh. Yeah. Maybe I, is it the room across the hall? Because that's the only other place it could it's, be. <laughs> it's the room right next. There's two rooms like next to each other on the same side of the hall. And there's a, there's scenes for characters in both of those rooms. It feels like it's probably the same room. I think I, now I'm saying this. I'm 90% confident it is two different rooms. I think you're right. Well, I guess to their credit, they do make every room in the hospital feel like it's the same room. So, Well, that is that is a real hospital vibe. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think one, one interesting thing is that, like there's a like, random soldier in the hallway who's apparently going to get an amputation to his leg. But oh, yeah. Apparently, apparently, no worries. In about a couple of months, they'll be able to regrow the leg. And I'm like, I want that kind of technology. And the the one thing that seems kind of weird at first is the soldier seems very upset about that, very sad. I'm like, well, look, they're going to regrow your leg. Then I realize, oh, wait, that means you're out of the fight and you can't help at all for uh, right. several months. Well, if the fight seems like it's going to be, the fight will come to you eventually. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how that would feel if you had a brand new leg that's been regrown. Like, how's that compared to the re- your other leg? Like, does that feel odd to try to get used to that? I wonder. It would probably be weird because if, if I guess it depends how they how they grow it. Like, mm-hmm. is it, like is it just gonna be like your leg just gonna slowly like re like grow over time? Like, or, or do you have like a giant boot that you're wearing? Like, and just one day you take off the boot and you have a foot again? Like, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, I was wondering how that actually works out. And like, uh, it's a lot, a lot of Solari and a lot of Asari uh, like doctors in this one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and there's also an Asari. If you if you if you walk around, there, there's they they have like a hidden area almost because they have like a little board where there's the the receptionist, and then like behind her, there's like a little space you can go and walk around. And there's a few Asari sitting there. There's there's like one Asari veteran uh, sitting there talking about her war experiences. That as you keep going by, uh, you'll pick up more on. Um, yeah, there's lots uh, there's lots of background chatter about Palavin at this point too. A lot of background chat about most of the plans stuff going on and the Reapers taking on that's different true, areas. That's true. That's Although, true. I see this little line you have here, like, due to wartime conditions, all vacation requests must be approved by management. I'm like, I mean, I think that usually happens even without wartime uh, conditions. Well, I guess it dep- depends how you define management. The, I guess the, the implication there is that, like, they're being more stringent about how they're letting people take their time off, um, which makes sense because, as we said, like, they're clearly uh, being inundated with patients. Um, I don't know. In some ways, it's kind of comparable to early on in the pandemic when the hospitals were full. I mean, that's I guess the the, the closest analog we'd have here. Um, yeah, and you know, and, and and I'm pretty sure, like you're, you know, if you were a nurse or a doctor with with you know taking time off, at, you know, back in like March 2020, that probably wasn't. You probably had to get that cleared like by somebody a bit higher up than normal. But, I think uh, a lot of it, like the the front copy, like a lot of the vacations were just canceled, and then then. Usually your vacation times did not roll over. For these years, they rolled over because, you know, oh, yeah. certain things were keeping you for busy. Yeah. You, you, yeah, that, that, that's a crappy way to do business if you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, th- I think that's everything in the hospital. Let's move up to the embassy suites here. 
where we meet human ambassador uh, Dominic Asoba. Uh, so he he he's out there. Does he t- does he tell us about his kid at this point, or that's later? I think that's later, right? It's, I think it's later. Yeah. On. He, he later on he brings okay. up his kid. Yeah. Um, the one interesting thing that they do is you get a lot of side quests just by walking around and overhearing things. Like in particular, there's one Volus that you overhear talking about a Prothean obelisk that was in the Shrike Abyssal, and then the next thing you know, you look in your journal and like, oh yeah, hey, go to the Shrike Abyssal and get this Prothean obelisk. Yeah, I actually. Uh... For one of these quests that pop up from from here, glitched on my screen because it, it like indicate I need to go do something in that in the in this uh the embassy suites, and then I'd be I'd be on the docking bay right next to the Normandy, it's still pointing that I need to go down over here to the embassy suites. I'm like, it's already done. Please get off my screen. I had to like save and reload before I get it off my screen. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, some of the quests in, on the Citadel. Uh, and I, I don't know if this was the legendary edition. Uh, I don't remember these bugs from when I played Mass Effect Three, or at least this part of Mass Effect Three originally. Um, but I feel like there were a few bugs with the quests on the Citadel, and we'll, we'll get to those as we go through, because uh, not all of them became apparent at this point. Um, I did find it interesting that Hackett is on the Alliance billboard. That I guess Hackett is like literally like the face of the Alliance. Well, he is this the surviving leader right now who is not stuck on Earth, so... Well, did they get that billboard out in the hours since Earth was destroyed? <laughs> like... Well, I think by, by this point, it's been quite a bit longer, but also, he's probably was like one of the... I think he's the lead, like the main fleet, so it makes make the most sense. And they, they also have a billboard for CSEC. Do you have a career waiting in internal affairs? CSEC. We've got oh, lots yeah. of openings. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Like, yeah, who's I'm going to let me go join like internal affairs during a war. Like, OK, kind of an odd time to do it. Yeah, I think the most people are concerned about the external affairs at the moment. R- right, right, right. Well, internal affairs, too. It's like, why? Like, come like, you know, snitch on other cops. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just like not saying that, like, you know, oversight oversight isn't valuable, but it just it, I don't know. The internal affairs always just feels a li- little bit off. Like that, and that's the foot you want to put forward. Like, I'm sure CSEC does plenty more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing to advertise for outward. Like, I've I've never heard of a, uh, you know, like a police department advertising like, hey, we have openings in internal affairs. I feel like a lot of times you promote from within for that kind of thing, too, because you're looking for kind of your clean rule following types, right, to to put in those positions. Yeah, I never thought it was strange, but now that you mention it, I don't think I've ever seen an opening like that on anything. It's mostly just like regular like grunt cops that you see a, mm-hmm. a job offer for, but plus all like you can take all these tests, do all this 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 bit of training and everything else. And yeah. So we, we also have the Spectre Station on this level, uh, where you can go in. They've got a little shooting gallery you can use to practice uh shooting your t- some targets. Yeah, I want that to be better than it is. I mean, it's nice in that you can kind of play around with your loadout and it's a place to do it, but like the targets and stuff seem kind of useless. I don't know. Well, this is this, 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 uh, I find this area very, very weird, anyways. Like, yes, I think it's better. There's a spectra station, but also, like, why are we in the embassy suites? Like, what? Did we have something more close to CSEC or something else? Like, I don't know. I felt like, we, like everything was just kind of like 
pushed more close together in this one and things were like way too close together. Like, cause Bailey's office is really like almost like next door. And then Adina's like across the hall. And it's like, why are we all just like within like a, a walking distance? So in um Mass Effect One, uh administrator, let's call him Palin and see if that's right, uh, is in the sort of general embassy area, right? Like he's he's kind of hanging out near uh some other embassies that like like the Volus and the Elcor are like down the hall from him. So that that part it kind of tracks for me. Um Spectre Requisitions is is down by CSEC. But like CSEC is down in the wards, not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it is weird. Like I don't. So like Bailey being there kind of makes sense. The Spectre thing is, I guess, not crazy, but it is weird. Yeah, it is weird for that part of it to be in the embassies. Well, it's more uh, like all, all three parts together is what's weird because like, oh, you gotta talk to Bailey. Let's just take a right over here. Oh, and you talk to you. Just go across the hall. We're all right down here. We're all buddy buddies. I guess the presumption, because Bailey, part of his job is sort of liaison, I guess for lack of a better word, with the council, where he sort of takes direct requests from them. So it makes sense that they would want him right nearby. And the specters kind of are, you know, like directly serving the council and working closely with CSEC. So I guess it makes sense that they would be right. But it's like, maybe like they should, the specters should have like a little office with, you know, which I guess they, they do have the computers there, but like the shooting gallery, that feels like something that should be somewhere else. Like that's right. That's oddly placed. Yeah. Um, you know, like the weapons, the weapons requisition, that should probably be closer to where CSEC weapons requisition are not like this. This is all administrative work. You shouldn't be walking around like fully armed, you know, outside the counselor's offices. So yeah, that, that does seem like, 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 uh, like Adina's office should be like on a different floor with the rest of the counselors. Like they should have offices nearby to him. I could see the rest of the counselors just being kind of like, no, like your, your office is down there. Like we, we don't have room on this floor. All, all the rooms are taken. This is as close right. as we could get you. And because as much as they're grateful, like Shepard saved them, assuming the Shepard did save them in the, in the first game, like I could still see them kind of being like, eh. you know, like, you're still the new member. You, you know, you, you don't, you, you're not up here yet. Okay, I guess yeah, that part I can actually see. That can actually make a little bit little sense. It's it's weird though too. Like this area, just they didn't put in any effort to make it look like the area from mostly Mass Effect One, but you do go to. Uh, the the human counselor's office in Mass Effect 2. And it definitely looks like kind of the same place as Udina's office on Mass Effect 1. Yeah. And then in this one, they're just like, it's not that anymore at all. Like, we put it in some weird hallway. It, 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 I haven't thought real hard about this, but the more we're talking about, like, the layout of the Citadel and, and what they did with it on Mass Effect 3, it is it's kind of bizarre. <laughs> no, things are, like, like, pushed really close together. Things are very yeah. narrow and it doesn't take very long to get through this area at all. Like, I still feel like it, this is still like a bit smaller than we had in Mass Effect Two. Like, we I had more things opened up, but just less th- things to explore. Th- there's better variety. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think maybe that that might be what it is. Is that maybe they did want to break it up, kind of how it was in Mass Effect One, but then they realized they'd have like eight floors or something, and as it is, they got it down to like six. So they're they're kind of moving things around to make sure everything fits. Um, I mean, because ar- you could argue that really, like the embassies could have been part of the Presidium Commons. Like you just have them maybe go up, like a, yeah, 
up some stairs or something in a, in a ba- in the back or something. Because even then in the Presidium Commons, you have some hallways that lead to like apartments, right? Which I, I can't remember if there's anything that happens there, but there that's is. where you find that is where you find the uh, the Blasto ad. Yeah, no oh, Blasto. It's so good. Which it's much like any good trailer, it pretty much reveals the entire movie. Yeah, I mean, if you hang out there and get all the dialogue clips, I think it goes linearly through the movie to tell yes. you what yes. happens. Yeah, it gives away pretty much every every turn in the movie, which is amazing. Somebody wanted to write a Blasto spec script and, and get it out somehow. With his Elcor partner. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I think Nick, like, yeah, you nailed it on the head here. There's a variety. I think they went hard on that, which I appreciate because I think really in both Mass Effect 1 and 2, uh, particularly in 2, the variety doesn't feel like it's there. Uh, and here it does. You've, you've got the nightclub level and the commons, you know, Presidium commons level and the docking bay level and the refugee docking bay level and, and the hospital the hospital is weird and the embassy level and the embassy is weird so i think just not all of them landed as well uh as the others the the nightclub level if we could just go there just for a moment sure yeah there's like a giant pit in the like around the nightclub like you come in on like a, a stairwell and like there's just like not even really railings yeah, this feels very dangerous, especially at a nightclub. I mean, like, I mean, you don't want people next. stumbling out drunk. Like, oh yeah, you should definitely have a gaping maw that goes into wherever <laughs> it goes. Like, that's that's great. Nobody's ever going to fall into that. Well, I, I'd be like, I can say, I think, I think they're taking their old uh, Knights of the Republic logic from Star Wars. There's no such things as railings. You just have right. you just have walkways over death. <laughs> well, that's what I was yeah. going to say. It feels like they took like. Uh, you know, like uh, the sequence where like Vader cuts off Luke's hand. It's like they turned that room into a nightclub. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, safety. Yeah, Get rid of all the drunks. Just push them over. Other than that, though, like of all the nightclubs that we've had, I think we talk about this in, in chat, Chip. Mm. Um, Purgatory, to me, feels the most like the kind of like place I would wind up. Not not I would go to, but it's the kind of place where like I'd be out with my friends and be like, hey, let's go to this other place. And I'm like, all right, fine. And that's the kind of place we would go. And I'd be like, all right. So it's, you know, it's kind of kind of a little bit douchey and, and, and not quite upscale, but it's like it, it if you, you know, it kind of acts like it's upscale. Right. And yeah, and it's, it's, you know, you know, whereas like a lot of the other places like Afterlife was very skeevy. Mm hmm. And, and like Cora's Den was just a straight up like gentleman's club. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I guess you know it's it's kind of they're they're upping the bar a little bit. Eternity, I think Eternity felt like a kind of a nice place. Eternity seemed nice. Yeah, Eternity seemed yeah. nice and very sterile. Yeah, a little too corporate for Eternity. Hmm. But, but this one's got like Eternity's too too bright though. Like this has nice dim lights. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and a nice long line for the bar. They have one of the bartenders constantly dancing, which I would be upset by if I was trying to get a drink. But <laughs> I would be upset if I was the other bartender, too. Like, move. Get out of here. <laughs> like, like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, uh, like, get to work or go home. Right. Exactly. But, yeah, I don't think there's anything really going on in Purgatory at this point, though. Um, Not yet. We'll, 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 we'll start meeting some people there when we come back. Uh, let's see. So we go... Uh, back back to the embassy suites. Then, so we go. We get to meet with Udina. I don't re- really recall much happening here with him. I think we pretty much meet with him, and he's like, "All right, let's go talk to the council." Yeah, basically, he doesn't do much. 
Yeah. He just he just says he'll move some kind of mountains for you or something. Yeah, he's he's full of himself. Oh, he's full of shit. Oh yeah. Hate this guy so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. I may have gotten farther in the game than I did the last time, and, and we'll, we'll get into that. Well, like, one thing I, I still I never understand when I get to this part of the thing is, it's like, it's Udina. It's like, I'm now the counselor. Like, how the hell did you become the counselor yes. over Anderson? Yes. Like, I intentionally, I intentionally did not choose you, and my decision did not matter. Because I guess, and that's the other thing you, sh- you should realize, is, like, when you're hanging out with Anderson on Earth, like, why are you here? Why are you not on the Citadel? Which... I think that goes back to why I thought Earth was the Citadel at first, because Anderson's there. Right. Right. Yeah, it does. It does kind of mess with you. This is I get why they did this retcon, but it sucks. Like if you like you picked Anderson and and the game wants it to be Udina because narratively this is going to make a lot of sense and they need it to be Udina. And that's. Okay. I mean, that's okay. I a, feel like they didn't really have to do it this way, but they, that's what they did. I don't know. The, well, they, the way they handle it, too, is really clumsy. Yeah, very clumsy. Like, I, I really kind of feel like they could have, like, if you chose a D, chose a Anderson as a counselor, once he gets stuck on Earth, find the Reapers, like, okay, now Dune has to step up as the replacement. Mm-hmm. At least, you, you could that would make made sense, yeah. I mean, you still can get your same story beats, and then if he if if Anderson's not the counselor, then like yeah, Udino's already the counselor. So right, yeah, yeah, he's acting counselor, interim counselor. That makes sense. Just yeah, few, and instead, it's like instead, it's like Anderson's like I decided to quit and make Udino the well, counselor. He doesn't even tell you that. Yeah, I yeah. You have to you have to at least I don't remember him telling me that. I had to look it up in the in the the uh, the the codex. codex. Yeah, I think that's right. It is in the co- I was going to say, I feel like somebody tells you that, but no, it is. It's in the codex that it's there. And it's, it's like, it just sucks. Yeah. And Mass Effect 1, the end of that game, gives you a pretty good nudge to, you know, not pick Udina, to pick Anderson. Like, if you're picking kind of the Paragon option between those two, you're picking Anderson. And the majority of people who played through this game, just according to Bioware's own stats, were Paragon-sided. Like I've said in the past, I've I've defended Udina yeah. in the past, and and you can you can make the argument that he maybe you don't agree with his methods, but you know, and but he's a political beast, and therefore he's actually suited to that. Yeah, um, he's know, got the experience. You know, like, I get that. You know, because again, like we were saying earlier, even with like Bailey complaining about the politics of the job, Anderson's another military guy. He gets in there and he hates the politics that. You know, that, ostensibly, that's why he, you know, he quits according to the codec. But the pro- yeah, the problem is like that's like Anderson should have come, like Anderson should have addressed that at some point, and been like, you know, I'm no longer the counselor, and right? Like, like, but you know, yeah, but also like I feel like it's kind of bullshit too when they say like he he got rid of he got out of there because of the politics and the alliance. And like he's already like an admiral. He's like he's like he's a high up like a I think it's like an admiral, I can't remember right now, but. He's been in high up in military for a while. There's a lot of politics mm-hmm. you have to do in just regular daily life of being in his position. Being any kind of manager leader position is a lot of politics. It just comes a job. It's not really that like you're just changing out who you're talking to when you become the counselor. You're like now you're talking the council races instead of just the human military, but still. Right. Well, that can still be a big difference though, because as you come up through the human military, you learn who the power players are and mm-hmm. you learn who to negotiate with and how to handle that. And then you get thrown into the 
into the Citadel, where now you're dealing with a whole bunch of people of all these different races that you've never dealt with before, or you've maybe dealt very cursorily with, and now you have to get to know them very intimately. And so if you don't like politics, maybe you begrudgingly did that for, you know, within the human alliance, and you kind of went along, but you were coming up through the ranks, so you knew the other people who were also coming up, and now you're just in a completely different world, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going back. Like, I'm not I'm not dealing with this anymore. It's kind of kind of like, like throwing a college football coach into, like, the NFL. Like... It's kind of the same thing, but you know, not, not quite at the same level. And yeah, some people are just more suited to college than, than NFL. So maybe that's Anderson. Could possibly be that. that uh, that's a, an interesting analogy, but I think that'd be fair. Next up is Anderson, the Urban Meyer of Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you are you saying that because I'm from Columbus? No, no. <laughs> uh, I'm saying that because Urban Meyer was the most recent flame out from the college ranks. <laughs> And he flamed out bad, but mm-hmm. um, no, Anderson, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, Anderson's role in this game makes sense. I mean, it's, it, you know, as much as it's not where, you know, I may have chosen him to be at the end of Mass Effect one, him being on earth, you know, leading the resistance there, he's perfectly suited for that. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we go to the council. Udina complains about the council. Uh, the Turian counselor shows up and. He actually no, we don't go to the council. We just we just talk to we just talk to them in in uh, Udina's office. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're in Udina's office. Uh, the Turian counselor shows up, and then that's where you get. He tells you like, no, like I would love to give you troops, but Palavin is being attacked. I need you guys to go to Palavin, and yeah, we have to get the the Primarch Fedorian from Palavin. That's kind of the next step in the mission here. Yeah, I don't know why I noted down here. Tree is shedding leaves in area. <laughs> Like, why did I find that to be important? I was actually wondering too. I'm like, all right, like I, th- I think they made it like a, 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 like a video mention of that or something. I don't know why. Are... That is a good question. Yeah, like I know you have. Yeah, James is looking out the window. He's now on board with getting help from Earth, which I'm pretty sure he's probably been on board for getting help from Earth for a long time. Well, just well was... no, James, he wanted to go back. Like he didn't want to wait and like get people signed up to come help he just wanted to go fight yeah and i think here he's like okay we need to actually like get everybody united like let's go do the plan yada yada that's fair i guess i didn't think of it that way yeah yeah he's he's starting to see the bigger picture um because again and i think this ties back into a little bit about him i don't know like i don't know if it's explicitly a death wish but like he i think it's he wants to be sort of where the most damage is happening kind of like because he like he wants to be fighting against that kind of thing right you know and so yeah like probably also doesn't want he doesn't want to sacrifice civilians and stuff again just for what makes the most sense yeah but now you realize like that actually to save the most he needs to get the the right help otherwise everybody's just gonna get slaughtered Mm -hmm. right yeah i think again his problem is you know he's you know as we said like he's obviously still still dealing with the fallout from paragon lost um, but he's, I don't think he knows how to apply himself to this situation because it's a little bit more, I mean, literally like we're going to like the, the, the highest political power in the galaxy to like appeal to them for help saving our planet. I mean, that's a bit beyond, you know, just like, Oh, let me pick up a gun and start shooting at aliens. Right. Or robots, robot aliens or robots. Um, but yeah, is there anything else to mention on the city? Oh, the one other thing to mention is that if you talk to Avina down in the medical lab, you find out that Dr. Michelle from uh, 
Oh yeah, the little the little medical ward next to CSEC. Mm-hmm. You find out that she's in charge, so she's not actually there. She's off doing whatever. I don't know. Maybe like that's the thing is like she she had that little she was working in that little clinic uh, down next to CSEC, and then like you know with a little entre- entrepreneurial spirit and some can do attitude, she like grew <laughs> that into Horta Memorial Hospital. <laughs> that is possible. Did do we skip this part? I don't know if we talked about. It. Do we? We got Chakwas back. That's later. Is that later? I remember doing it now. Yeah. I I I know that. Well, at least for me, it was later. Um, it's somewhere in here. I I think I I don't think it's right when you visit first visit the hospital though. I think it's it's a separate uh, part. I mean, yeah, maybe I didn't. I was supposed to go back to the hospital and didn't until later. But um, yeah, I think I think yeah, we'll, you can do it here, maybe. Um, but yeah, because you this is where you have to kind of resolve like whether you're going to bring Dr. Chakwas or Dr. Michelle. And if obviously if Chakwas died in the suicide mission, you don't really well, have a choice. Ch- but yeah. Chakwas can't die in the suicide mission. So I'm pretty sure she can. No, she's oh, no, actually right. the only, she can't. She's the, only, she's the can't. only one with plot armor. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. The powers of Chakwa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that Sarah's brandy it makes her strong. Yeah. But yeah. So at this point, I think we've wrapped up everything, at least for for this go through on the Citadel. It's, this is really just sort of like intro to the Citadel. Just kind of check out everything. You see a few things here or there. Like you see, you know, some of the characters on, you know, hanging out there. Um, yeah. But what, yeah, next time we come back a lot, I think even then, because I, I think like there's the, the, the docks where they have the refugees. I don't even think that's open this time. Um, so there's a little bit more. I think you're right. Expanded. Yeah. yeah. There's more that expanded out and, and there's there's a lot more stuff going on when we come back. And so we'll we'll pick up Chakwas then. I I do like that in in this game, much like in Mass Effect One, they really incentivize you to return to the Citadel a lot. Like it felt like in Mass Effect Two, the Citadel was sort of like a side. I mean, you could probably go through that whole game and only go to Citadel like two times, three times, something like that tops. And and in this yeah. game, I felt like I was going back to the Citadel like after every you know three or four missions uh, just to check in and find new stuff. So I, I, that's a nice sort of return to form. Yeah, and they had like some little more dialogue and stuff when they when they uh, talked about. Yeah. Well, I feel like they had some interesting discussions at the beginning of Mass Effect Two about how much they wanted to revisit from the first game and how much they wanted to feel important and critical and part of Mass Effect Two, or how much they wanted to be like, okay, like this will be in the game, and you know you can check in on it, but it's not going to be primary because the Citadel is like a character as much as like Liara or or Tally Mm -hmm. or or Garrus. That you know, it, it's it's very important in Mass Effect One. It's I mean, it, it you know, it's it's a huge. It's like the entirety of like the first several hours of the game, mm-hmm. and then you know, and then you get to come back later, and then it's it's the the it's the the where the finale takes place. So I mean, it, it bookends the game fairly you know strongly, and you know, it's in kind of the same way. Like Liara is like kind of in the background, like you can counter a little bit on Ilium and then also in the DLC, like the Citadel, it's still there in Mass Effect too, but it's not as prominent. They kind of wanted to, I think, draw more focus to like Omega and Ilium and, and kind of give you a sense. Like, it's not like there's just one massive city. Like, no, there are, are cities, sp- you know, spread throughout the, the galaxy. Not everything are these, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, human colonies that you're going and checking in on where there's nobody there because they all got abducted um you know so i think they wanted to kind of downplay it a little bit but for the third one they're like no we gotta we gotta bring it back we gotta make it you know prominent again and right. so yeah so you're going there you know you know it, for me it almost feels like i'm going there between every mission there was a while there where i was like going back and forth like yeah you know, i was either on tuchanka or i was on the citadel <laughs> like, right and so like you know i hope they had a good direct to uh, direct flight there but 
Yeah, they, they they do like it's very much one of the like again like Liara coming back now and being part of your team. It's the same thing. Like the Citadel is back and it's it's heavy and it's important and it's you know it, it's 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 there. It's massive and, and and not like massive heavy, but like it's prominent. That's mm-hmm. the the best word I can think of. So yeah, no, I'm glad that. I'm glad that they do that because it is like an important place. So it makes sense that they want to kind of emphasize that. And I think that also comes like like uh, Mass Effect Two. We're focused mostly on the uh, the terminus systems and everything else, where the the collectors were taking the human colonies. So that was our main focus. Where this one, it's the entire galaxy is the focus. So of course you want to bring in the Citadel, which is the heart of galactic civilization, because that's where everything's going to funnel there anyway. So you're going to be there a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and, and depart the awesome place of the Citadel. And let's head back to the Normandy. The also Normandy. The also Normandy? No, the awesome. You said the awesome oh, place. Oh, the also Normandy. Oh, the awesome. Well, the Nor- <laughs> I would say. I, I, I'm going to say that. Well, the problem here, because when you get back to the Normandy, like this is, even though we were on the Normandy earlier, there are scenes that take place on the Normandy. You haven't really had the opportunity to wander around mm-hmm. and do anything on there. This is when you get your proper introduction to the Normandy and you're free to start going around. And the problem is that with Shepard having been grounded and the the Normandy back in Alliance custody, they're doing they're 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 doing work on the Normandy to make it fit back in line as an Alliance ship. That you know, Cerberus had kind of you know been a little more casual with how they do things. They gave everybody you know like a little more room for you know, like personal quarters and stuff. It's cramped. And so they're, yeah. it's cramped. Well, it's cramped now because they took away some of the rooms. Like Jacob's, yeah. Jacob's armory is gone. I mean, it's, it's still physically there, but you don't have access to it. Cause it's like, it's cordoned off. Right. Presumably they're doing work in there. Um, even on the other side where Morden's lab is, there was, it's just a, it's a little glass box for a conference room. Yeah. The con- like, that was completely gutted. Well, I think they, they took the conference room that you had in the middle and just like shifted it over. I'm like, okay. Why do we do this? Yeah. Well, they had to put that there because where the conference room used to be, that's where the war resources are now. And that's and then just off that you have your little com relay to Hackett and Anderson. So it's they've I mean, I it, it's fine like I, I it's a nice touch because it's like why would the Normandy just be sitting there battle ready especially if Shepard was off? Like it makes sense like oh no, like they had to flee and that's the right. you meet trainer who, you know, she she's like, I'm not a soldier. I was just here overseeing the renovations and like I didn't even get to pack my my special toothbrush because <laughs> I was gonna know, mention like, the, the toothbrush. T- yeah. The ship took off like, you know, out of nowhere. Cause again, like they weren't expecting the Reapers to attack. Like if everything was going normally, the Normandy was still be dry docked. So I mean they're lucky that they didn't have any like they didn't have like the engine out or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Things could have been but, a lot worse. Yeah. But it's still, I mean, they have, what I don't understand is why do they have that one scanner when you come between the, uh, the, the, the war resources room and the, the comms and the, and, and the, uh, the, the conference room. I mean, you if, have to go through that little scanner to get back to the rest of the ship. Like, what, what, what are you bringing weapons in? There? I don't understand what, what what they're scanning for there. So the lore reason would be that yeah, that's where you can like let people board and and like you know foreign dignitaries and stuff. The I I'm about ninety five percent sure the in game reason is it was it was an invisible loading zone. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well. It, you guess it's loading area, but is it the normal loading area for this ship? Isn't it still right by the cockpit with Joker in them? Are we just going through a secondary it, entrance? It, it, I assume there's another ingress in, yeah. I guess, maybe. I don't know. 
Because that's a weird thing if you think about it for this one. Normally in the last few ones, you, you enter through like the side, you appear there. Yep. Here we yeah. always appear near the near the war, the asset room. I'm like, how did we get here? Uh, yeah, I'm guessing they added no the 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 normal door near the cockpit is absolutely still there. Well, you appear there, but you always appear like in that little conference room. Like, because sometimes you have the sometimes mm-hmm. you immediately get a call from Hackett, like recap me on this mission. And other times you're just kind of there. Yeah, but I I think I think you might be right. Like, it's there because that's where the foreign dignitaries are. That's where the the when you get the Primus on board, that's where he hangs out. When you get the Erdna on board, I guess the, that's, where that's, he hangs that's out. the more secure area of the ship because more it's more farther back. So yeah, you protect yeah, I guess. everybody there. So yeah, that's because yeah, like. My speculative lore is I, I'm really sure, though, because that particular floor of the Normandy, like that level of the Normandy is bigger than any of the other ones. And I'm, I'm really confident that they just stuck that in there. I, but like, I don't know why they did that. Like, why not use more of the docking or not the docking bay, the, the cargo bay or something, right? Like if or just use a normal door. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I guess you get like the little pickup dialogue of those two, uh, you know, enlisted. I mean, it feels mean to call them TSA agent, but it, but it is kind of like, they feel exactly. like, right? like, yeah, I don't know. Kinda, well, I mean, it, I mean, their dialogue is it's it's nice little filler, but it's nothing critical. You know, if you if you if you could run past them, you wouldn't be missing anything. You yeah. Just can't. Yeah. But yeah, so so trainer then winds up taking uh, Kelly Chambers old spot, like overseeing. The, the ship, basically, uh, and that little console that's across from, from Shepard's behind the, uh, behind the map. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then you get to go and you get to talk to, you get to talk to Joker and he, he makes a joke. Let me know if you want me to get the council on the channel and you can hang up on them for old time's sake. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd love to. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I, good. There you go. No, I didn't have the important. It was being stupid. Don't worry about it. Oh, fair enough. One thing I did notice is that I went up to the Shepherd's private quarters and the radio in Mass Effect 2 had like four or five different songs and here has like one or two. I think it might just be one. You just turn it on and you get one song. I was like, even the radio has been neutered. I don't understand oh, wow. why. You, you've got to re- re- get all your music. They've, they've basically just cleared out most of your effects. You don't even get your models. You get oh, your models like, again. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. And then we were kind of talking uh but uh, the, the the lounge with Kasumi, um, that's been replaced by a poker table. So all like the books and stuff that was over there, that's out. Which yeah. I mean, that, okay, that kind of makes sense. There's, you know, like a poker table. Well, actually, I guess they have they had the round table in the the crew quarters where they like did. that seemed like a nice place to pay. Yeah, poker, but yeah, it, yeah that's kind of weird. It's good that Kasumi took all her like stolen artwork away. So you know, presumably she got that off the ship. Right. Maybe. Or has been reclaimed by the Alliance. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it depends on how much time she's spending in that gray box. If she if she's like, oh, crap, let me get my stuff before I leave. Or if she's just in the gray box the whole time. Then um, uh, uh, the robot, Dr. Eva Kare, uh, that got dumped in the old AI core room where Legion used to hang out. So that's just sitting in there. I guess that's where we put all our robots, defunct or not. Um and then uh, Liara is over where Miranda used to be, um, but that office got completely reworked, and that's where she's got her giant monitors because she's the shadow broker, and there's some power cables and video cables running in, and, and Glyph is right by the door when you walk in greeting everybody as shadow broker, as we've pointed out. Um, so, oh, Glyph. Oh, Glyph. Uh, yeah, so a few little things about Liara. 
because uh, uh, one, she she has a little message console you can check in there for like super secret information that you can't get just as like your specter status. Um, so you can get some extra information there. This is actually where we talked last time about, uh, or no, maybe not. No, no, never mind, never mind. Um, no, but uh, you can get some messages here. Uh, you you find there's a message from Farron, uh, who uh, was the Drell that she was working with in the Shadow Broker DLC. Um, and then also we find out what happened to the ship. Uh, what happened to the old Shadow Broker ship is that the elusive man tracked her down on that ship, and then she and Farron were prepared, so they fled with their supplies, and she crashed the ship. Uh, and blew it up in the into the Cerberus ship, so the old the old Shadow Broker ship is no more. Which is a shame. It would have been a good war asset, but yeah. So, what was she working out of? Because like, okay, we bring her on board the Normandy on Mars, and we just happen to have this like sweet room with like a video monitor set up. Like, did she have like? Because we left Mars in a hurry. The Reapers were coming down, so it's not like. It's not like we could be like, hey, wherever your ship is, why don't you bring your setup over to ours? Like, it, she got this set up really quick. Oh, yeah, that is a good is, question. Yeah. yeah. You know, just that mobile, you put it out, just kind of unfolds into giant monitor setup. The Capsule Corp technology, you know. Yeah. The Shadow Broker Station in a Box. Capsule yeah, Corp maybe, technology. Yeah. Like, maybe, uh, maybe Glyph for some reason can like repurpose things and rebuild that. I don't know. He's like, Maybe it's a more advanced drone than I realize. He is strange. So yeah, I always kind of thought like they, they they docked over and like just loaded the stuff on there. But with the ship destroyed, how do you get that many monitors to just buy a bunch? Like Susan got like, okay, it's my new base. Uh, put a requisition order for 24 32 inch monitors that will rotate with me at everywhere. Yeah, you would think that, I mean, having learned, you know, the modern lessons of supply chain constraints and issues, you would think that like, this would not be a thing you could just do. Like you're not just going down to like galactic Best Buy to pick this stuff up. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not, yeah. You're buying in bulk at this point. Yeah. Can you buy like 24 monitors from Costco well, at once. That's also an interesting <laughs> thing. I, I realize. like, I guess it could be the war cotton stuff too, is most of the games you could buy and sell in the storage. You can't buy and sell. You can't sell right now. You can only buy. True. I just find it odd. I'm like, I want to sell stuff. I need some more, some more gold, like, or more credits. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. They no, they uh, Shepard and Shepard did so well in the first game as a weapon smuggler that they have they they just ended the whole trade. <laughs> so, let's see here. There's also uh, on the I th- oh, it was like the crew floor. I think it is. There's uh you have the wall for the 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 those that lost their lives on the Normandy. And that includes Ashley and Jenkins and Presley from the first game. Um, and that's also, I think that's everybody whose dog tags you collected in that mission on in the Mass Effect mm-hmm. 2 when you're going through the Normandy wreckage. So there's a nice little memorial wall there uh, so you can acknowledge them. Yeah. Engineer Adams is back. Yeah, that was a nice, that was a nice return. I like the the triumvirate of Adams and, you you know, you can get uh, Donnelly and, um, oh boy. Uh, what is her name? Daniels. 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 It is Daniels. Okay, I was like, it can't be two D names, but yeah, so you can get all three of them down there, which is which is pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, it, it is nice because even like alluding earlier to like Chakwis being available, like you can you can choose like which staff did I like the best, <laughs> and then like you know if you preferred the you know the 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 Normandy the Cerberus Normandy crew or you prefer the Alliance Normandy crew, you can kind of go 
with either one, or you can, you know, mm-hmm. leave everybody. Why not everybody? Or exactly, you go with everybody, which is what I wound up doing. So I'm not gonna turn away really Adams, anybody who it's like, go join normally. Sure, get on here, grab a bunk. Exactly. Yeah. As long, yeah. Just sleep where you are because that's all we have room for. You know, it is funny though. We talk about the lack of bed space, but Liara and Allers and Shepard all have like massive, like at least queen size beds. Mm-hmm. Like they should all be on cots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. Especially because they switch it. it. This is one of these weird things where like when it was in dry dock, I'm surprised they didn't do anything with, you know, uh, the, the captain or commander's quarters up in the loft. Like I would have thought they would have done something there. Turn to some other room. Maybe. But- Maybe they just yeah, didn't maybe, get to it. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say like that was on the list. They were just busy working on the other floors first. But I mean, you, know, you still have an aquarium there. Like, there's no way. I don't know. That just seems weird to me. Yeah. Well, also the fact that they had, like the Liara's off, like a Shadowburger office, that like that area should like been there reclaimed for something more useful. But yeah. Well, I wonder if um, maybe she took it just because again, like again, like clearly this was a work in progress, and so she's like, oh, okay, here's a big room with a nice big wall. I can throw all my monitors up there, mm-hmm. and I can throw my bed over in this corner here. Um, yeah, it is just. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, it's it's nice, a nice layout for her. It's just weird. Yeah. Uh, so one thing at Engineer Adams mentions is that uh, if you try to like push the Normandy too hard, the drive core will vent into engineering and like melt everybody with plasma. Oh yeah. So uh, you have to find a uh, you have to find a, a pipe, some kind of pipe of some part to to get that addressed. So so keep an eye out for that. It's just plasma. No worries. It just just shake it off. Be fine. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing too is that uh, Edie, having been unshackled, is a full AI now, and she's trying to act dumb to kind of you know lead everybody astray. I know, like she, you know, like trainer. It took a while for her to figure out that Edie was an AI, but Adams was like, no, I saw right through it immediately. I knew she was acting. Right. Uh, but then he points out that everyone trusts Edie because Joker trusts Edie. So that's sort of an interesting trust loop. A little, a little interesting uh, change in the relationship that's gotten a little better because, you know, in the first game, he's like like putting grease over the cameras, uh, trying to screw with Edie. And now it's like they're all buddy-buddy. Buddy-buddy, indeed. Edie? Mm-hmm. What if Edie? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. But what if Edie is actually Reaper Tech and Joker sitting in the cockpit all the time is now being indoctrinated? Oh my god! Well, that would be wild. And if you think about it, she's from the Elusive Man, who we know loves his Reaper Tech. Um, actually, mm-hmm. Edie is Reaper Tech. We've already confirmed that a while ago. Well, she has the or she had the IFF as part of her too. That's right. That's true. Yeah, like, that's actually how she was created. Was from Reaper Tech. Was yeah, it? That's how. That's how. It, no, I thought she was from the the VI on the moon. That's separate. Mm-hmm. She was pretty sure. Maybe I'm misremembering. I'll check. I mean, now I gotta look that this up. Be... I was so I was so sure that that she was uh, like Cerberus stole uh, that like moon VI that kind of went rogue, right? And and started killing other people. I thought, yeah, yeah. That that's. That could be. I mean, it's. I know that the that that vi like is a harbinger of something to come. Not only to reference harbinger, harbinger, but the harbinger. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At least it should be a harbinger of something to come. I don't know. You guys probably it's, it's not in the game at all. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about, Nick. Um, but yeah, well, you're looking that up here. Uh, let's see here. There's also 
Uh, so uh, Diana Allers, as we said, she's over where Zaid used to be. She has a board of like a bunch of missing photos in her room of, of people who are missing, almost like one, almost like the uh, the Pepe Silvia board with like the the red string on it, like she's trying to piece together something. Um, and she tells a story about how she once made an Elcor cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, so. The one bay room where Grunt used to be is currently closed. Uh, that will open up uh, after a certain mission, and we'll get to it at that point. Uh, but the shuttle bay, which you could previously look into uh, as you were walking around on the engineering floor, okay, uh, is now open. Yep, I found. And so, what, what you got? I found, it, I found it here. Is like a when you got the anti reaper algorithm. It's like she's on her. Part, yeah. She was part of her design was gained from Sovereign's remains, and thus she's partially based on Reaper technology herself. Okay. Huh. huh. Like, I, I think I remember that was from Mass Effect 2. She explained that she was based on Reaper technology. So. Okay. Okay. So she could be indoctrinating Joker. Yeah. So all her problems are going to be her own fault. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you can get down into the shuttle bay now. Uh, earlier when you check your mail, you find there's a message about uh, a contractor that left a, a mech dog online named K E I nine. Yeah. K nine. Uh, yeah, K nine is very, very, very well done. Uh, but no, that dog is down in the bay and you can go pet it and, and, uh, play with it a little bit. Every time you go down to the shuttle bay, it only has two legs. It's weird. No, I've never noticed that. I have to check that. Poor K nine. All right, well, it seems to move around pretty good for a two-legged dog. Mm -hmm. That's true, yeah. Uh, but then while you're down there, though, uh, you do meet Lieutenant Steve Cortez, who uh, is your shuttle pilot. And that's actually important in this game because there are a few scenes that happen on the shuttles as you're heading the missions, and like he's there and taking part in the conversation as like Shepard and, and whoever's with him is like you know just hanging out in the shuttle. Yeah, and mm -hmm. Cortez so, is, is really nice to talk to. I really enjoy this character. Yeah, I like Cortez. He's a good addition. I was going to say, like, he feels fairly normal for a game where everybody's kind of abnormal. That's what I like <laughs> about him. He's he's very normal, mm. but not in a weird way. I, I mean, he's don't get me wrong. He he has his trauma, which you 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 do address with him, um, because that's that's very much part of this game. But uh, it's like he's he seems about a lot more down to earth than many of the other like and, and obviously many of the other people are aliens. So for them to be down to earth would be unusual. But it does seem like he's fairly well grounded, which I guess that's ironic for pilot. a uh, <laughs> pilot. <laughs> he's also our second pilot outside of Joker. That's true. He's also the onboard vendor. So that's where you get you can buy you can buy stuff from the Citadel through well I guess not through him but through his station you can buy stuff from the Citadel at like a ten percent markup. Uh, this is also where the loadout uh, is, so you can change your loadout, you can change your armor, uh, and you can also uh, there's also uh, just he has access to other vendors as well, so you can buy stuff through there too. So mm -hmm. um, you can buy buy a bunch of stuff, work on that there. Um, he says he can pilot and maintain the Kodiak shuttle and the Hammerhead, except that the Hammerhead was in the labs when the Reapers attacked, so the Hammerhead is not on board. Oh no! Oh no! So you, you so you only have the Kodiak. Darn. What a shame! Yeah, and so this is where the Armory went after being disappeared from where Jacob's room was. It's down here, and yeah, one of the things that you find out early on is that he lost his husband at Ferris Fields when the Collectors attacked, and I think he has like one last message that he listens to from. Uh, 
from the husband from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um not the only person that was lost on that colony either. Uh, a couple other crew members lost family on that colony as well. Mm-hmm. Just something like I think it was. I don't think they actually have names, at least I can find it, but some of the other crew like lost their family on that colony as well. And then the other the other guy who's down here doing pull-ups, as he is wont to do, is our boy James Vega. Oh yeah. And so I loved I I this this sequence, it felt a bit off to me, like playing through it the first time. And then after watching Paragon Lost, I'm like, this sequence is awesome. And I love the sequence now. Um, but Shepard walks over, cause, you know, to have the standard, you're on the crew, we did a mission, I'm going to check in with you and see how things are going. And Vega's like, yeah, we're going to spar while we're talking. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. let's, let's, you know, and I'm like, okay, like this dude is just too much for me. I'm like, I don't understand. And now I'm like, oh no, I, I now I understand Vega. I'm like, okay, yeah. And so as you're fighting, you know, he starts telling you that his, his squad and his commander, they died getting collector intel and Vega had to make the call to save the intel or save the team. And he chose the intel and then it didn't matter because Shepard took out the collector home base anyway, which one, having played through that before watching Paragon Lost, I'm irritated. I didn't remember that because he gives away the ending. But two, uh, yeah, but two, that's exactly what we said is like after watching Paragon Lost, we're like, yeah, and he, he got the intel and it's not going to matter because Shepard blows up the collector base. And yeah, he addresses it head on. Yep. Yeah. but. Ones are like this before. He had no way of knowing that. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's totally. I mean, that's the thing. Like, none of this is his fault. Like, he did the best he could with the information that he had, and everything just kind of came up. You know, he got the the butt end of all the decisions. Yeah, I mean, this is and this is where like Paragon Lost really comes in because like he man does he get screwed? Like he's yeah. got a tough character arc. Right, and the thing too is, is Shepard's like, "Do you want to talk more about?" it? He's like, "No, I don't want to talk about it." And it's like, "Well, of course he doesn't want to talk about it because you can go watch it on the anime." <laughs> right. But but even then, James legitimately asks Shepard, "Like, are you a shrink?" And it's like, technically no, but like, actually, yeah, like that's Shepard's whole job. That's how all these conversations go. Shepard is literally like everybody's shrink on board. You are mm-hmm. playing. Please tell like, me about you know, your like, trauma. How can we yeah. fix it to make you more loyal? <laughs> exactly. Like Shepard is the shrink. So yeah, it's funny that James kind of called him out on that, and and I did note down that it's it's obvious that James still blames himself for what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't anybody else? It's still that's kind of a hard thing to get over losing, especially like you're so close as people sacrifice them just for some intel that proves out to be, especially when it proves out to be useless. You're like, why do I even bother? But it proves to be one. It proves to be useless. But two, it proves to be useless because the soldier that you hero worshipped, like did something amazing mm-hmm. and rendered all your stuff useless. And now you work for that guy. Yeah. Like, like even that alone, just like even taking out like all the actual events of Paragon lost, just like knowing how James, like, you know, revered Shepard and now he's working for him and he's on a buddy, buddy relationship with him. And he's like, no, I'm going to call you loco. Like it's like that alone is kind of like a, you know, messing with his head or mm-hmm. like would mess with anybody's head. And now, and then you put on top of it, like, oh, and by the way, like you completely invalidated the sacrifices that I made. Like, it's just, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I don't know how the game ends entirely. Um, we'll get there. I would love it. And I know that I think they said that, uh, what, like, uh, the next mass effect is going to be a little, a little, a few hundred years in the future or something. Um, I would love it if James comes back in the future. I hope that whatever happens in this game is not the end of James. Cyborg James. You guys are probably, you guys are probably thinking like, oh, he dies a tragic death in like the third act or whatever, and I don't know. But 
I would love it if he came back. And he's got he's got that really kind of uh, you can toggle their skins or whatever. He's got the one where he's got he's got like the little like eye, like a, almost like a monocle that's like a targeting reticle or something. Oh yeah, like he's he's got some really badass appearances too. So I really I do enjoy him in this game. One thing before we continue on before we finish up for tonight. I think we skipped the dream sequence, didn't we? We did. Oh, God. Yeah, I was looking (laughs) at that, too, and I was like, this is like my least favorite feature of this game. Oh, yeah. It's not like, well, I don't like it either. Well, let's. okay. so, yeah, let's talk about the dream sequence. Now, this happens actually when you board the Normandy. Um, Mm -hmm. You get like Shepard, you know, having the dream sequence and it's. He's in like a wood. It's burning wood. And he sees the kid that died on the shuttle at the beginning of the game. And he's trying to chase the kid and he kind of can't. And I think at this point it's just the kid. I don't know. Yeah. Are, there, are there other shadows around? Like, I, it, No, I think the gets, first time you just chase the kid. You just chase the kid. And it's like, the, it's, it's one of those dream woods. So it's like you chase the kid over one area and all of a sudden he's over in another area. Mm-hmm. And you see him kind of like flitting between the trees and it's not at all physically possible what the kid's doing. But then finally Shepard does catch up to the kid and then he just burns. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. It's it's brutal. And and it's I like it only in the sense that it shows like because I mean that's the thing, like, you know, as we were saying earlier, like Shepard's job is to be like a psychiatrist to deal with everybody else's unresolved trauma throughout the ship. And, you know, and go and take care of them. Like this shows like, oh yeah, by the way, Shepard also has unresolved trauma. Oh yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's not easy being Shepard, which I guess is like this yeah. is like a better way, the best way to show it is through a dream sequence like this. Just see, like he's I, suffering from it like that, but it's not fun. Yeah, also, it's not well paced, and we'll talk about this as we get to the end of the game. But um, they they kind of lean on this initially, and you have like I, don't know, I think there's maybe two or three of these total dream sequences, but I it just I I don't I don't I don't know I I just don't like it. It feels weird and like sort of emotionally manipulative in a way that doesn't land because again like you you see this kid at the beginning of the game like escape earth and then i guess shepherd's like haunted by saving this kid but it's like why like literally why why are you not haunted by like the vermeyer non-survivor more or you know literally anybody that you've watched die a horrible death like yeah i mean it sucks that this kid died but like I don't know. Well, I get well. I get the impression as you go later on, like that those other those other losses do start to play into this. Like they do. It's it's it's. I mean, it's 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 a snowball. Yeah. And like this this kid is like the little, uh, you know, like the little part, like the the little first piece of like ice, and then you get that rolling. And yeah, I don't know. It just I it feels so like blatant. I guess like it just it never hit for me because it was always like. I guess the problem with so, it is it feels more forced than anything else. It doesn't, yes. feel, it doesn't feel like it was naturally introduced, Perfect naturally word. progressed. Well, well, I mean, if you think about it, Shepard, you know, goes through Mass Effect 1, and then it's, what, six months, and then they're killed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're dead, for two, they're dead for two years. They're brought back right in the middle of another conflict. Then it's, what, maybe six months since then that we're getting to Mass Effect 3 now? So it's mm-hmm. been... Like even so, even though like you know it's been like four or five years game time, and really I guess like what three years in in game, it's really only been a year for Shepard to be dealing with this, and you know we haven't really seen how you know like during the downtime. I mean Shepard being grounded on Earth, hanging out in his not not his cell, but you know 
hanging out at Alliance headquarters in Vancouver. I mean, we don't know, you know, was he seeing a therapist there? Was he, you know, we don't know how that was all going. Um, you know, normally, especially like later on when the deaths start coming in, you're in the middle of the action. You're like, boom, I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. I got to yeah. go to the next thing. I got to go to the next thing. And this one really like Shepard still, Shepard doesn't even necessarily have a next thing. Like, you know, he watches the kid die and then he goes and, you know, he doesn't find out, oh, you're going to Mars until after that. Like, he's just fleeing at that point. Oh, well, I guess trying to go to the Citadel, but, but I mean, like, you know, he's, 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 re- I think that's the thing is like Shepard's extremely off kilter at this point. And it, it's, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, why didn't, you know, you know, Ashley or Caden, why didn't they like affect him this way? Right. And, uh, um, and, like, and it's good. It's an important part of the narrative. And I think it's, it's really, it does in theory, it, it should be humanizing Shepard for you a lot because yeah, they go through all of this trauma and insanity and you don't ever like the first two games don't do a lot to stop and sort of take a look inside. Like, Hey, what's going on in this person's head? They've been going nonstop wall to wall. And I think this game does a, does a good job of this, but this is not part of what works for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I appreciated it. Yeah, and, well, and and not not for like like last time I was all about like oh it reminds me about like this not because it reminds me of my kid or anything here like I I just thought like this like you you know because you, you don't know this like what's going to trigger somebody necessarily you don't know like because again too like you know at least like Ashley or Caden you know like one like Shepard is actually talking to them like you know kind of understands like they're okay okay with the decision like both of them were like no take the other guy you know like i'll, I'll do the mission and now I'll, I'll you know so like there's a certain level of like well i'm not happy about it and it sucks mm-hmm. but you know like that was they understood the job they knew this was a risk you know that kid was just pure innocent and not to say that we haven't dealt with plenty of innocence getting slaughtered throughout this thing um but like this is the first real you know like I, I, this is the first time like there's a well i mean really there's a kid i mean even then like any anybody youthful i'm thinking of like uh what was it like the girl that morinth uh you know like preyed upon oh yeah yeah that Sh- shepherd like you know like she was she was a kid but she was still like an old you know she was like in her what like late teens early 20s like this is a, a kid kid yeah and i don't think we've seen a kid you know even though or, like we talked about too like mouse maybe was like oh, the yeah. closest thing and even then he was a bit older so it's this is like the first time Shepard's come close to dealing with anybody who wasn't at all mature yeah. at all. And that, that person Im- immediately is obliterated. Yeah. It's also the first time we, um, right now this happening, earth now being destroyed, being attacked by giant machine life form. So that might've yeah. been the straw that it kind of took. It's like, well, biggest threat to my home plants here. So how do I deal with this? Everything else easy to find a way that I can stop it. I can fight it. This is more of not so sure now. And, and there are plenty of conversations in this game. I mean, Liara even has one, um, I think right after, as, as you're leaving, uh, as you're leaving Mars to get to the Citadel, Liara mm-hmm. even has one where basically she's like, can we do this? <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, like there are a lot of conversations about like, you know, can we even beat the Reapers? Yeah. Right. And so I think, yeah, like, I think Shepard might be looking at that kid as like the personification of the fact like, oh yeah, we're screwed. Like that kid is just the face of earth getting obliterated. We like, we left earth to, you know, go help it. But he, you know, he, he keeps checking in with Anderson to see how things are going. You know, earth is still there and you know, that's something. But, sure. I yeah. Mean, also, I mean, how, how do you, how do you beat this? Who knows? Exactly. You're going to say Kara? Oh, I have some theories, but I'm saving them to the end of the game because fair enough. 
I got some ideas because like uh, some of the interaction with the kid when you see him begin the game in here kind of don't line up with reality. So uh, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Kids just don't spontaneously combust in your dreams. We'll get to not it in later. mine. <laughs> we'll get to it later. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, there's there's a popular yeah. theory with this. But I, it just like it, every time I've replayed this game, I'm just like this. This is weird. I don't get it. Well, like, why? It's really weird because yeah. it really is the only kid you ever really meet. It's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember being very confused, like the first time that dream sequence came up. I'm like, what the? <laughs> I was on the Citadel, and now I'm in a forest. I don't understand. And then, yeah, it's really jarring. And like, why are you in a forest? Like, where does when does Shepard spend time in forest? Like, what, I, I don't know. Well, why are you in a burnt out forest right. too? Like, it's not even yeah. a nice forest. Like, yeah. Like, let's go visit like the parts of Yellowstone that burned a few years ago. Let's <laughs> hang out there. Let's get the nice burned down forest. I, this one's lame. Well, maybe oh, yeah, you know. I just feel like you would be, you know, like as Shepard, you would be chasing this kid through. I don't like a, a hollowed out, like blasted out, you know, a base on a planet or something right? like not. I don't know. Well, but, you know, I wonder if that's intentional because this game has so many like blasted out runes that you're fighting through. Like there's no like like, like there's no forest in this game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, you know, most of the places you're fighting are you're either in like a building or you're in like some kind of blown up building, or maybe you're at like outside of a building where there's some like a little bit of like forestation, but like you're not in a for like in a forest the way you are here. I mean, it's so it, it might be intentional and it's supposed to be off putting, and that's the most off putting thing they could do. Like, where has Shepard not been? That's right. I, yeah. I never realized they actually yeah. don't really fight much forest. It's mostly just like urban areas a lot of times. Yeah, or, or, rocks. or even then, I'm thinking of. Uh, like the mission with Jacob's dad where you're fighting around like a beach and there's some like jungly area there, but That's you're, true. you're in the clearing in the jungle. Yeah. You're not actually in the jungle proper. And that was a poisonous jungle by the way, too. Also true. Also true. So maybe, maybe that's the thing is this kid is actually one of the kids that was spawned from uh, Jacob's dad. And we don't know about that. I didn't want to think about that, but thank you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and when we meet Jacob, he's gonna be like, "Oh, I got a message. I have a younger brother." And like, no, you don't. <laughs> Not anymore, bud. <laughs> he is. He is uh, ashes. Jeez. Yes. Can find you a nice urn for him, though. <laughs> uh, that that'll be the test. You have to go to the vendor, and do you buy Jacob the urn, or do you buy something else? You won't get the right reaction if you don't buy the urn. You get him. Get him. Just get him a little little uh, Tupperware box. <laughs> uh, the old Folgers coffee can. Oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, I was being nice. Folgers. Oh. Hey, Folgers is nice. It's top of the line. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, Got dark, and I didn't yeah. even mean it to be. <laughs> no. So. Thank you to Jarrett for producing and editing. Thank you for downloading and listening. We are at Squad Goals N7 on Twitter, also at the MASH Network. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MASH Those Buttons. Also, YouTube at YouTube.com slash MASH Those Buttons. Chip, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and very occasionally Twitch. Uh, my handle is WD, that's for double Y-E-W-D-E-E. And here on the MASH Network on Wondrous Tales, uh, where we talk every two weeks about Final Fantasy fourteen. Kura, where can folks find you? They can follow me on Twitter at Kurabaris, K-U-R-A-B-A-R-A-S, or on uh, twitch.tv slash Kurabara, 
And then occasionally you can follow me, follow me on our other podcast, uh, Dropping Spicy, where when I have time, I come talk about the Apex Legends and stuff. Or on other various projects that we got going in the works, you know. Busy times and busy lives. What about you, Nick? I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on the Mash Those Buttons Network on WoW Talk, talking about Warcraft news and guild management, and also on the Torn and the Goblin, talking about Warcraft story and lore. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at mash.gg slash Discord and email us your thoughts or questions. Let us know what you thought about the Burning Kid in the Dreams or the Citadel or the Normandy. Email us at squadgoals at mash.gg. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can. And visit mtb.gg slash support to see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts, including on Patreon, where you can support this show by joining the Squad Goals membership for $1.25 per episode or $5 a month. Or you can provide general support for $2 a month. And you can also check out our Humble Bundle affiliate link, where you can get our codes for Steam, Epic Game Store, You Play, and more. Or check out our PayPal one-time donation link over at mtb.gg support. And stay tuned to hear about other shows on the Mesh Those Buttons Network. For Chip and Kura, I'm Nick, and I should go. See you, Commander. It's my favorite podcast on the network. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord.